It's another edition of a wild conversation with Manita Prasad from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Manita, how you doing? I'm doing very well, good. thank you. How are you guys? We're good. We're no, good. Yeah, you're staying. You're staying healthy and everything, right? Everything's good. I am. Yeah, things are good. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And uh, how how's how are things at the zoo? It must be just kind of like winding down. Does it get a lot slower this time of the year? Weekdays tend to be quite a bit slower, but as long as the weather holds out on the weekends, we are busy. Oh, good. I, d- I drove past the other day on, well, last weekend, and it, it seemed pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Weekends especially, and holidays. A lot of people love to be outside. Right. And the front entrance is coming along nicely. It looks really good. Yeah, it does. It really is coming together. So we're at the final stages, all the finishing touches on the inside of the building. So it's really starting to take shape. Beautiful. Are you going to be doing any of the painting yourself, or you you hire people for that? (laughs) We have uh, a maintenance team as well as the construction crew that take care of all of that. Okay. All right. I was going to offer Jess's help, but it (laughs) doesn't sound like you need it. Okay, so this week we are talking bats. A lot of people are pretty freaked out about these little furry things that fly, and... They're not the cutest I mean, things on the planet, that's for sure. But they are amazing little beings. Um, so let's let's start off by dispelling some some myths. There first, and the first myth that I would like to dispel is there is no Batman. There is no Batman in real life. Oh, I don't know if I want to believe that. Okay. <laughs> There is a Batman, Chris, okay. okay? So there is a Batman? He's in the bat lair currently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I definitely think there are superheroes on the planet, that's for sure. Okay. Okay, so never mind then. Um, <laughs> people actually think that bats are flying rats? Yeah. And I can see where they get that, because if you look at some pictures of uh, bats, they, they, you know, if you threw some wings on, on a rat, it would look quite similar, but... Uh-huh. But bats are actually mammals, and they're of the order Chiroptera, and the name actually means hand wing. So their wing, if you look at it closely when it is stretched out, you can actually see elongated bones that look very similar to a human hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, definitely. What are, what are their wings? Like, are their wings skin? or? Yeah, so it's just, it's membrane. So it's a thin membrane on both sides. So it's a very fine, delicate Okay, and and like, do they, they? It seems really fragile. The wings seems really fragile on a bat. Yes, they are, but we don't often see a lot of wing injuries in bats. Oh, yeah, like you would you would anticipate, uh, like you know, tears or puncture wounds, but they're excellent navigators, so they don't really have a lot of injuries. Uh, from predation, yes, but because they're so tiny, usually if they're caught by a predator, the injuries are fatal. Right. So, I mean, because it looks like they do have, like, you know, the the bones in their wings, like birds, I mean, you hear about their wings being broken all the time. Do birds have cartilage or is it bone or how is it different? So most birds do have hollow bones, um, and bats are the same thing, hollow bones. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's just a bird's wing is quite a bit smaller. Like, like imagine a chicken wing, right? Yeah. So a very small, thin bone, and it's just covered in feathers to make it look a lot larger than it actually is. But the bat's wing is 
uh, series of five bones that stretch out, and the composition is very similar to our hand, and then just covered in skin, basically. So oh, that's interesting. Okay, and yeah. the bones are hollow because that that makes them much lighter, and that would be uh, that'd be a main consideration for being able to fly. Exactly. Yes. Okay. I know stuff. Because if they had, you know, non-hollow bones, it'd be a land bird. You know, they wouldn't be able to fly. Yeah. Penguin. Yes. Uh, the next myth: uh, bats are blood suckers. Yeah, they are. They eat a wide variety of items, so fruit, nectar, insects, mammals, fish, or blood. Most bats, though, do eat flying insects, uh, like mosquitoes. Uh, there are actually only three species that consume blood, all of which are vampire bats mm-hmm. from Central and South America. Um, and I think the biggest misconception surrounding the bats that eat blood, like we picture vampires, you know, latching on mm-hmm. to... I want to uh, suck your blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like the fangs in the skin and then just have to sit there and suck. It's very different the way vampire bats do it, um, eat. They do pierce the skin with their fangs, but their saliva saliva actually contains an anticoagulant that allows the blood to keep flowing after the bite, so it can easily be lapped up. So they really only bite once or a couple of times, and then just will sit there and lick the blood as it comes out. So it's not as invasive or harmful as most people would think. So do they do they usually attack people? These vampire bats? No, they don't. It's mostly livestock. Mm. Oh, yes. And other mammals, right? So, uh, But the really neat thing about uh, vampire bat saliva is that from science, they've actually engineered a drug called Draculin that is used as a treatment for stroke. So it actually helps dissolve blood clots in the brain. So there are properties from bats that are quite useful to us. And it's called Draculin? Draculin, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Made I by s- Pfizer. See, <laughs> see what they did there? Draculin. <laughs> That's interesting. Do bat, uh, bats, I mean, you know, bats sometimes have a bad rep, and I mean, we get why, but what are bats good for? Like, obviously, you know, that part of it, but they eat a ton of insects, do they, and they keep the bugs away. Yeah, exactly. So they do play an important role in the ecosystem, uh, controlling nocturnal insect populations. That's a big one. But they're also really important for cycling nutrients in the environment. So because they tend to eat um, in wetland areas and then roost in the forest, they're taking nutrients from uh, very rich nutrients from the wetlands and depositing them in the forest ecosystems in the form of guano, which is bat poop. Right. What's it? Sorry, what? Guana? Guano. Guano. Yeah. Is bat poop. Yes. I'm surprised you've never heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's the yeah. fertilizer. It's incredibly rich in nutrients. But isn't it bad? Like, it's very poisonous to people and it's bad. The guano? No. Oh. It's actually, it's actually um, harvested. Uh, the, I don't know that there's a lot of mascara companies that still include bat guano in mascara, but it, at one point in time, it used to be um, an ingredient in mascara. What? Wow. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just trying to picture the guy who on his resume has bat poo collector. Yeah. <laughs> is there a is there a certain name for that? Is there like a title, a job title? Oh gosh, I'm sure there is. I yeah. just don't know what it is, but it is like I've seen 
When I was in, oh gosh, the Grand Canyon, they pointed out a cave that people had to go and harvest that guano from. And this cave was, I don't know how many feet off the ground, but it was incredibly high. And they had like a cable line that people would cross across the canyon, like 300 feet in the air, to climb in this cave and harvest bat guano and have to carry these items out. So it, it doesn't seem like a very desirable job. No. <laughs> but someone's yeah. got to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, bats, are, uh, bats are not blind, are they? They are not blind. They do have eyes, and they can see. And there are some bats that navigate using, using vision alone, like flying foxes. Uh, oh. And they actually appear to be able to see better than owls. Oh, really? Most Canadian bats do actually <clears throat> navigate and find prey using echolocation. Right, I've so, heard that. So sonar? Yeah, so it's very similar. So what they'll do is they'll actually emit regular calls and listen to the echo of their own voices. And by doing that, they can determine the range, the size, and the type of object. Uh, and they can even detect how fast an object is moving. Wow. Just based on that? Yeah. Are are bats nocturnal, or do they They come out in the day? Yeah, no, they come out at night, so they are nocturnal. And 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 they they sleep upside down. Yes, they roost upside down. Everything they do is upside down. (laughs) Oh, that's right, right, because they poop upside down. And and they. Oh, like mm, mm, upside down. down down Why, Why why do they do everything upside down? Has anybody figured that out? has to do with their roosting areas. So they do love roosting in deciduous trees um, and like cramming themselves into cracks and crevices just to protect themselves from predation. So I'm sure it's because it's just such a difficult type area to get into, it's just easier for them to crawl into it going backwards. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, Can you get rabies from a bat? Well, bats can carry rabies without showing signs and symptoms of the disease, but less than 0.5% of bat populations carry rabies. Uh, So I have some stats here for you that I looked up. Uh, Since 1970, five people have died from rabies in Canada, Mm. only four of which were following exposure to bats. And we actually see more deaths annually from dog bites and bee stings than we do from bats. There, I remember not too long ago, there was a case, I think, on Vancouver Island where this uh, 21-year-old guy was swatting a bat away and it bit him, and then he actually ended up dying of, of rabies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there definitely are. I, I remember that happening as well, but so it can happen. It's, it's not uh, unlikely, but it's quite rare. All right. This is a wild conversation with Manita Prasad from the Greater Vancouver Zoo, and we are back after this on Country 107.1. Journey back in time and walk with the dinosaurs at Greater Vancouver Zoo's new Mesozoic Adventure. Explore, learn, discover at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Visit gvzoo.com. We are back for part two of A Wild Conversation with Manita Prasad, zoologist at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And we are discussing bats this week. And we have been dispelling some myths about bats, including if you can get rabies from a bat. Um, Now, I know at the start of the whole pandemic and the coronavirus, 
there was rumors that this whole thing kind of started with a bat. Now, are bats known to carry a ton of diseases? No, not usually. Um, it's really interesting that, that you would say that. There, there's been a lot of animals, I think, that have been blamed for coronavirus, oh, the penguin yeah. being mm-hmm. one of them as well, uh, which is an extremely endangered <laughs> species. So I just... I. Find it interesting that uh, you know we're so quick to to try and and, and blame other species yeah. on what's going on with the human race. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, bats are bats. Nothing to do with it. No. No, nothing to do with bats. Leave the bats alone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what kind with, of- if you are working with any animal, there is always an inherent risk of of contracting some sort of zoonotic disease. So. You know, it's it's kind of a risk that goes al- along with with the job, right? It's something mm-hmm. that you are aware about right from the beginning, and yeah. just have to be smart about it. Especially those bat poo collectors; they're yeah. pretty aware of that. <laughs> and, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, you know, think about how sick you can get off other people. Oh gosh, yeah. Let alone bats. So, um, what kind of bats do we have in BC? We have sixteen species of bats, eight of which are actually listed as species at risk, uh, but we do have nine bat species that are quite prevalent in the lower mainland, so just to name a few, uh, there's the Townsend bigger bat, the hoary bat, uh, silver-haired bat, big brown bat, Yama myotis, California myotis, I'm missing long-legged myotis, little brown myotis, and long-haired myotis. Wow. <laughs> It's a lot of species. So are we going to find one of these in our backyard? Uh, you could. Um, myself living in the Fraser Valley, we do have bats that fly around the zoo at night, uh, and you do occasionally see them. I have seen them flying around my home as well, but quite uh, quite rarely. Like I don't see a high volume of bats. It's not like sighting birds, which are just around all the time. Right. You really have to know when to look and know where to look. I feel like, you know, like I've been to like some lakes and stuff in the summertime and you'd be sitting out there like around the campfire and there would be bats. Like uh, like around like, where were we? Merritt, that kind of area. Or up at Gun Lake, up in like past Pemberton way up there. There was a ton of bats up there. Right, yeah. So bats need three things uh, in order to survive. Food being one of them. Mm -hmm. So flying insects tend to be around bodies of water. Right. Uh, They need uh, water. (laughs) So, again, are never far from a body of water. And safe roosting spots. So, you know, they prefer cracks and crevices, um, tucking in behind pieces of bark. So deciduous trees and lots of of rocky outcropping Mm -hmm. really make the best bat habitat. Okay. So caves aren't a big thing with bats well caves are um because in in the ceilings of caves there are a lot of cracks and crevices so they will cram entire colonies into the smallest little crack right yeah what are the threats what uh, now let me guess again people <laughs> people is definitely one of them um but not a main one here. I mean, habitat loss, obviously, people contribute to habitat mm-hmm. loss. Um, 
extermination and pesticides are something that negatively affect bat populations. Uh, and then thinking about their habitats, trees, caves, and cliffs, well, these are all areas which are impacted by human activity. Uh, but um, in the news over the last couple of years, we've been hearing a lot about white nose syndrome. And that's actually a fungus that kills millions of little brown bats throughout its, throughout its range. So in uh, North America, since 2006, over 6 million bats have succumbed to white nose syndrome. Wow. Uh, it, it attacks bats during hibernation, so when really they're the most vulnerable. It's easy to spread and can wipe out 80 to 100 percent of the affected colony. Yeah, so we're lucky in BC it hasn't been detected yet, but uh, it's close. I think in 2016, there was a single bat with white nose syndrome found in Washington. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's working its way closer to us. What What is it, a virus? A fungus. A fungus. Yeah. So how does so this fungu- fungus spread? Like it, I mean, obviously it's spread into Washington and then it could spread over here. Yeah, so it's, based, it's it's something that naturally occurs in the environment and unfortunately negatively impacts bats. Uh, the reason why they call it white nose syndrome is it basically looks like a little kind of white furry thing that grows on their nose and you can also detect it on their wings, but there's no there's no cure for it once a colony gets it. Unfortunately, it's quite devastating. Oh, that's so sad. That is sad. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, predation is also a big one. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think the number one predator for a bat is? Oh, a, a bird. Yeah, some sort of... Some sort of bird. So, e, I'm going to say eagle. Eagle, okay, but you have to think. When do bats come up? Oh, at, oh, night. at night. Owl, owl. <laughs> yeah, so if you were thinking birds, you would think owls. And I'm sure owls get a, a, a small percentage of bats, but they're not actually the leading cause of bat mortality. Unfortunately, it is house cats. House cats? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of cats getting bats and, like, bringing them to the house. Yeah, so, like, there are cats that roam, you know, day and night. And uh, house cats are quite devastating to songbird populations and, unfortunately, bat populations as well. Mm. Cats. Cats, man. Jerks. You never hear of dogs doing that. It's just (laughs) cats. Yeah, cats. Well, they're natural predators, right? And they're really good at it. So you can't fault them for it. No, I know. And we had a we had we've got a new cat in our house and she recently we've had a little bit of a mouse problem that we're just eliminating now and she helped uh, I think eliminate the last one. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, she had fun. The mouse, not so much, but um, what about living with bats? Is there, what do we, how can we, how can we help? How can we help? Well, there's a lot of things that we can do uh, to help. So creating habitat, bats don't need much food, water, safe roosting sites. Uh, They can travel anywhere from four to 20 kilometers from their roosting site to foraging habitat. So... Um, green spaces and wildlife corridors become especially important for these guys so they can safely travel uh, to areas where they can forage. Uh, But simple things like um, planting native plants in your gardens at home that attract bat-friendly insects, 
increases the amount of habitat that bats have. Uh, even just having water sources, whether it be ponds in your backyard, um, that also will attract the type of insects that bats enjoy um, and provides another source of clean drinking water for them. I know that you can buy bat boxes or little bat habitats like at Canadian Tire and stuff. Yeah. I mean, would you advise having one of those in your yard? I mean, if you had like a big yard for them to, you know, hang yeah, out Yeah, well, in? you definitely can. I used to, way back when, run, uh, do a community bat box program where I would go into schools and we'd build bat boxes with classrooms um, and then choose appropriate sites to, to hang them. The trick is that they're quite particular on their roosting sites. Mm. So you have to be very smart on where you place them because just because you put them out there doesn't mean that bats are going to use them. So they have to be a certain height, um, southern exposure, because that's where you get the most sunlight. So maintaining a a certain temperature in a bat roost is is important for them. Um, Yeah, but the most important thing is just knowing where the bats are roosting. So Mm. if you are aware of where a bat roost is, participating in annual bat counts becomes very helpful uh, for um, scientists to monitor uh, colony health and population. Okay. Cool. Right on. There you have it. Bats. Bats. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for this, Manita. Uh, Once again, look at us learning stuff. Yeah, thanks for teaching us. (laughs) Yeah, well, I hope walk away from this feeling a little bit uh, more comfortable and excited about that. I do. I, I do, actually. 100%, yeah. yeah. This has been a wild conversation with zoologist Manita Prasad from the Greater Vancouver Zoo.